Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Sujo Organic. Excited to have my guest on and Stephanie Delgado from the PGA Tour, Senior Director of Client Services for International Media. And just excited to talk to Stephanie about her journey uh, on and off the golf course. And uh, we'll, we'll get going on uh, Stephanie's experience in the golf world. So Steph, welcome. Thanks, Jake. Happy to be here. So let's start off with uh, your success uh, and, and or experience on the golf course and kind of what led you into your career post-college. Sure. Uh, well, like yourself, I was a collegiate athlete. I was introduced to golf at the age of eight by my own dad. And I was I did gymnastics and golf and swimming growing up and decided to focus on golf going into high school was able to play at the D2 level at Lenore Ryan University. It was Lenore Ryan College when I played there um, in the early 2000s. And since then, I, I was a finance major, so I thought I'd go into investment banking. I was also an international business major, thought I might work in government, but ended up getting my very first internship through the PGA Tour internship program. Um, and I was placed at Nike Golf. And so that really kind of opened up my path into the business world. But it it definitely, it wasn't my primary focus when I was looking at careers post-college. Um, golf has definitely shaped me and is a huge part of my life, but I sort of fell into it. And how did you get to Lenore Ryan? Because I know we bonded over this at one point, but oh, yeah. uh, I was recruited by them coming out of undergrad, going into grad school. And the coach I had known at the time, and I'm like, where's Lenore Ryan? Like, what <laughs> is this even like? And, and I mean, turns out North Carolina, right? Like cool spot, yeah. uh, cool town. So yeah, Lenore Ryan's in Hickory, North Carolina. Um, they call it the foothills and the mountains. It really is. It's about an hour. I would say an hour. Oh, goodness. You're going to test me on my geography here. It's an hour from Charlotte and an hour and a half or two hours from Asheville. And it is absolutely beautiful and a great part of the country to play golf in. But um, back then, when I was being recruited, we had a ping I don't know, coach's guide to golf or something. It was a book. There was no internet and you had to physically actually contact each of the coaches. Um, so I had been recruited by some high level D2 programs, including Rollins College. But for whatever reason, it wasn't as sophisticated back then. And some schools thought I was graduating later than I actually was. And so my prospects at the time were quite limited, but Lenorine actually hit on a lot of things that I was looking for at the time, which was a very competitive program. So they were competitive in the South Atlantic Conference. I think that's still the conference they're in today. And then I wanted a small school experience because I went to an extremely large high school that was 3000 plus kids. And so I had my little circle of friends, but I felt, um, I felt like I wanted a different experience in college. And I knew I was going to go to grad school and wanted to go to a big school for grad school. So I said, okay, I will do something completely different, go to a really small town, really small school. But obviously my primary focus was academics and golf. So it hit everything for me. And, um, and when I joined, I know, I don't know about your recruitment process, but when I got there and met the people, that was it. You know, I really meshed with some of my older mentors that were on the team. 
um, as well as the coach at the time. So it wasn't, I was very excited to take the leap outside of the state of Florida and just start fresh in North Carolina. Well, we, we had similar paths and backgrounds. Uh, I went to a, a big high school as well. Uh, you kind of felt like college was almost high school number two, but just a lot more advanced, right? And, uh, you know, University of Redlands was, I think, 2,500 students or something like that. So it was pretty much the same. And then, you know, uh, going to grad school at Ohio, right? Big school, you know, 25, 28,000 plus, right? Totally different experience. But um, you made your way into the world of golf and you've kind of, you've, you've gotten to do a lot of different things along the way. So for, for those who are listening, just kind of provide a quick snapshot on all the, the different uh, stops that you've had and just like how that's ultimately gotten you to where you are today and, and how it shaped you. Yes, um, it is definitely a, a varied path. So after my very first internship at Nike Golf, which was in finance, so I supported their sales reps, I wanted to go back, but they didn't have any business internships the next year. They had design internships, which I was not qualified for. So I went back to the tour and asked if they had anything that I could be considered for. And I came back as a ShotLink intern, which ShotLink nowadays is huge for the PGA Tour and you know data and sports is just huge generally. But back then it was very nascent and new to the entire organization. So for two summers after that, I got asked to come back. I traveled as a tournament operations intern working on ShotLink with lasers and training volunteers. And living life on the road for two summers with what I then considered all my big brothers and sisters and my boss, um, my bosses, it was just the most amazing experience. And if, if, if people work in a capacity where there's an operations team and you haven't asked to you know, stand by them during a game or in preparation for an event, it truly is very, very hard work. And I say it's where I earned my stripes and a lot of my respect for what people do on the road, not only at the tour, but everywhere. And then after that, I went to grad school. So I got accepted to Chapel Hill and was able to get into their law program and their MBA program. And so I became very strategic after that in terms of internships. I wanted internships that could open doors, internships that exposed me to legal and business because I wasn't quite sure where I would end up post-grad. And so I was, I just applied again, I joke the internet was starting, but I got many of these internships through online applications um, I applied to Major League Soccer and got into their legal internship program. Well, generally their internship program and had a legal internship in their New York office. And then two summers after that, I went to the Olympic Committee. And the first summer I was the athlete ombudsman intern, which sat within legal, but was a lot of conflict resolution um, and working through things with athletes and, and, the, and the national governing body. Um, or the Olympic Committee, rather. And then the following summer was a legal, a solid legal internship there as well. And so when I graduated, honestly, with even with all that strategy, I took what I could find because it is very hard to break into sports. And I was extremely lucky to have a connection from UNC at ESPN. And I didn't get a job right away, but it took about seven months, but I was able to break in over there. Um, and I have to give a shout out to the gentleman who allowed me my foot in the door, Kevin Martinez, who's still their VP. Um, back then it was corporate outreach. And now I think they might call it citizenship or something like that, but gave me a shot, a six month project role. And after that, I was hired in programming at ESPN and started sort of my full-time career in programming and acquisitions. 
I was there for three and a half years, um, went to NASCAR and did content distribution and they called it content rights and management. And then I was recruited to come back to the tour and landed in a director of global business development role. So sponsorship sales, did that for a few years, moved over into the international group, did business affairs and operations under Christian Hardy, who has just assumed leadership of our entire international group. And then most recently in February, ended up in international media, um, managing the relationships with all of our international broadcasters around the world and the team that supports that. So uh, I tried to do that as distinctly well, as possible. <laughs> here's the thing. I hope you go back and listen to this and listen to yourself saying that because it's amazing, right? Like mover and shaker, of course, right? But but the progression and the, I mean, you go from, from golf to Olympics to ESPN to NASCAR, right? Like all of these different places. And then you even mentioned your experience on the road and um, how many states have you been to? I'm going to put you on the spot because I'm at 40 of 50. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Close? 49. I have one state left. Where do you <laughs> got to go? Alaska. Alaska is <laughs> Alaska's, Alaska's one of my 10. So uh, that's. It, it seems like it's just this, this idle trip you just have to take, right? But I feel like that's, but that's kind of a cool one to, to finish it off with. But again, you've been to, you know, all of the country basically. And so um, having that perspective and experience and living in different places, uh, obviously now in, in Jacksonville, but, you know, when you think about the, the journey that you mentioned is, you know, varied, right? Like what's been the kind of consistent thing for you along that path? Because as we all know, change is, you know, constant, right? And so there's, there's but there's still a level of consistency as you move through uh, your journey. Yeah, I mentioned it a little bit as I was looking at internships, and I still look through that lens um, in terms of my career. I always say every job I joke, I think I'm going to retire in it. I truly approach every opportunity as like, this is the next best step. And this is where I want to be for a very long time. And as you say, change happens. Thing, you know, bosses change, organizations change. Um, you might change, and that's okay. So for me, the consistent has always been growth and learning. And my, if you would call it an end goal, my end goal is to really be a strong business leader. And I've not even limited that to sports. But as you can see, I consistently make choices that keep me in this space because I find it really enriching and rewarding and a connector for sure, as you mentioned, to all cultures and people, no matter where you live. So um, the consistent thing for me in every role has always been how is this next step going to broaden my skill sets and provide me new experiences to get to whatever the next level may be. And I always think I know whatever the next level may be, but I could tell you that, yeah, looking back on my career, I would never have done it that way. I would have hoped that, you know, it was a very straight line. It was clear and easy to explain. In hindsight, I'm able to tell my story pretty confidently because I've always was really sure of my choices. Um, not 100%, but in hindsight, for sure. Um, but yeah, that, that's how I look at it. And that's what gives me the confidence to proceed, knowing that I can be flexible and that I'm always learning new things each step of the way. Well, as, as the great Doc Higgins said, you every decision you make, you make it the right decision, right? And so I think, mm -hmm. you know, along the way, uh, whether you think you're going to retire in that role or not, uh, you, yeah. you, know, you make <laughs> it the right decision. Uh, but when, when you think about, um, you know, your ability to get into the international world, 
right? People would look at people would look at where you are now and they go, oh, how do you get into international business, right? Like you didn't necessarily have an international background, right? You didn't go overseas to work or anything like that. But um, what would be your advice for those? And, and maybe it's going and getting a law degree, but um, you know, what's the advice on getting into the international space, not having international experience? Yeah, such a good question. And you are absolutely right. When I was hired to work in the international sponsorship space at the tour, I did not have that experience. And they gave me the opportunity to learn it um, from amazing people in my role. I wish everyone had that opportunity, the ability to mess up, the ability to take risks in a safe space. I know that doesn't happen all the time. So um, my, my recommendation, and especially as I'm hiring now, we have a good sized team and we're constantly looking for quality talent um, that's up and coming is an open mind and experiences that show how you approach things even more so than like direct international business experience. And let's be real, the last two years with COVID has appended a lot of people's career. You know, people have been displaced, people who might've gone abroad for any other reason probably could not have over the past two years. So I think we all need to look at things a lot more flexibly, but it, you can definitely tell when someone is open-minded versus closed-minded. And really for me, international is just working. Um, the Functionally, the job is the same, but it's about people and being able to work across cultures and different business styles and having the ability to really connect um, in a variety of ways to actually get a deal done or maintain a relationship. And that that to me, it's not having that international experience is important, but it's not necessarily the only indicator of success for somebody in this area. So sell up those other other parts of you, I guess is what I'm saying. And you didn't mention the time zone differences. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, you gotta be open to working across time zones. And I will be really, really honest in this. If you think you wanna work internationally, are you open to working around the clock pretty much all the time. And I, I might be a little dramatic right now, but I have people that report into me in Asia, London, and here in the US. And I would feel like I'm doing them a disservice if I'm not checking my email, probably right after I wake up around 5 a.m. Um, and maybe right before I go to bed. And I'm not gonna say that's hugely great for work-life balance. I do try to make balance you know, an important thing overall for everybody, especially on the weekends if we can. but I don't want them to sit and wait for an answer too long from me if they need to proceed on something. So I would say it just, it largely depends on your role. Um, we're extremely flexible and we set up, you know, we give our team the ability to meet when they want and how they want. Most of it's obviously virtual for our international um, colleagues, but it is, it is definitely an aspect of the job. Something that I personally like, but, um, but yes, can be exhausting. <laughs> Yeah, I have, a, I have a really good friend who who works at a tech company and they have, you know, everything they do is international. And it's like, you have a 9, 9 p.m. meeting? What? Yeah. Like, Seriously, <laughs> hey, yeah. We're going to catch up before your 9 p.m. meeting, you know? So uh, it's, it's definitely a different schedule. But to your point, like being open, being flexible to that and understanding that that's kind of the way it works. Um, how do you go about learning from those in the international world you know, without traveling to their culture, without traveling to the different spaces. And, and 
I'm sure you'll eventually get to do that right to each place, but how do you kind of start that at least, uh, you know, starting a new role where you haven't, you know, gotten uh, simulated within a culture? Yeah, I think it's important to meet with the team. I mean, if you're talking about a specific role, definitely meet virtually if you can, um, and then start to get to know the cultures. And I wouldn't say I'm a learner. So, you know, old me might have said, oh, I'm going to go research everything I need to know. I think I'm going to write it all down, take notes. It is about the experience and like anything you learn experientially, for me, at least, maybe everyone's different. It just sticks better because I have real life examples. So, for example, I have been able to travel to our London office since being in this role. And I've been to London once before. But there is there are different nuances in that culture and doing business in, in the United States. And I would say that you could just ask around. There are people I present as Hispanic American and I, well, I present more Hispanic than American, I would say, or traditionally, um, my mom is white. So, you know, I just want to say, don't assume that someone's background is indicative of where they grew up necessarily, or even like their nationality or ethnicity. So I say that to say there's probably people around you that are of different backgrounds and different cultures and experiences growing up. And so diversity for me is huge. It doesn't just encompass what you look like or who, what your background is. It, it's everything. It's where you grow up, how you grow up, how you, how you do business, how your family lives and works together. So um, just be really open and curious. And I, I feel that even in Jacksonville, which is a place, I don't know, people can compare it. I would never compare it to New York. It's not at all the same. Um, but there are pockets of, of really great culture here that aren't necessarily quote unquote American and you can seek them out and be open to experiencing it. And yeah, I think that's a personal responsibility of anyone who does want to work in the international space. One thing that uh, I admired when I got to at least work with you is you were able to take on different projects, even just outside the scope of your job, right? We got to work on a couple of things together. And, um, you know, when you're in a large organization, how do you go about, you know, transitioning from one role to the next, but also taking on different things within the organization to meet more people and, and ultimately kind of exponentially increase your learning curve? Yeah. I think that's such a good question. Um, okay, so I'm going to tackle the taking on the extras first and then talk about navigating in the internal organization. Maybe a little, both will tie together. Um, so taking on extras, just always raise your hand. There, you, you can always tell like who is involved in things outside of the day-to-day -day in an organization if you're keeping your eyes and ears open. And so a lot of the opportunities that I originally got at the tour were from my boss or someone else tapping me and saying, hey, would you want to be involved in this? And it's not always the case. So sometimes I would have to come forward and say, I'm interested in being involved in this. Um, you're not always going to get that opportunity at that time. There may be other people who are being considered or it just, there may not be a spot. But if you continually show interest um, and not, in my experience, not be pushy about it, because the reality is a lot is out of our control. But when you get that opportunity, to really take it seriously and try to make as good of an impact as you can or as large of an impact as you can, um, that will bring more opportunities, which is what led me and you to working together on creating you know, our HBCU grant program, which has been one of the most rewarding things that I've done at the tour. Um, and yeah, just seeing what the needs are around you, raising your hand and, and being open to taking those opportunities when they come. So that's 
that's what I would say for the extracurriculars. And then just a, a caution for everybody. Like, remember your job is first and foremost. It's nice to do all those extras, but if you're not doing your job well, then those extras, um, to me, they're amazing, but you're being judged on your work product primarily day to day. So, um, and then the second thing, navigating internally, again, I, I always give everything I can to my current role. And then you remain open to networking and seeing what pops up and kind of how things move. Businesses make different strategic decisions that change, you know, open headcount and how many people are hiring where. I never really focus on all of that. I'm focused on me and I would recommend everyone else do the same. Like focus on what you need in your current role. And if you're not getting what you need in your current role, and by that, I mean the experiences that would lead you to the next step. The first stop is always a discussion with my boss. Like, Hey, I feel like I need um, X, Y, or Z to get to the next step. Do you think we could do that here? And what do you think about that? You know, just open-ended conversation. Sometimes it's possible. And sometimes it's a reality where they're like, Unfortunately, you're probably not going to get that here because of how this is structured or how we handle things in this um, in this area. And so then it's a mutual discussion of, well, how can we get me exposed to that? And then the reality of whether or not you do need to make a shift. And then if you do need to make a shift, I always recommend that your boss is in on that. It's always nice to um, to have their support in your the growth of your career the perfect world is an, an opportunity shows up that person taps your boss and your boss taps you and everyone's mutually aligned that this is the next big step for you. Um, of course, that's not always the case. And just, I always ask people, I've been on both sides of it, managing people who've had to make a change and being the person who wanted a change and just be respectful as possible about it. You know, you, everyone has to look out for their own career. Um, even as much as I'm a proponent of people's careers, I understand that we as individuals can only know or can only best manage our lives. Like we have to make decisions for us um, that are going to let us sleep at night. So even if your boss is the most amazing person in the world, uh, you do have to make decisions for you. And so just be respectful about it. Keep good relationships. And it's okay to want a change, um, but try to do it in the most respectful way possible internally when you're moving at the same organization. Yeah. Keyword internally. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steph, I mean, it, it's incredible what to see what you've done, what you've learned. Um, you know, as, as we start to wrap up the episode, the, the one last thing I want to get to is uh, where you kind of see international media now that you're in it, right? Like what, what are the, the nuances that people wouldn't necessarily know uh, about international media within golf because it is such a global sport? Yeah, I think we're seeing general trends. Um, a few years ago, you saw, you know, lots of niche platforms. We're seeing a lot of content aggregation coming up with like platforms acquiring platforms and just things being rolled up into one. I, you know, it's funny that I'm in this space now because after ESPN, I was so appreciative of that experience, but I didn't, I didn't think I'd end up back in media and especially in the global space, but it's exciting to see how things have, have, um, parlayed since then. So for example, when I was at ESPN, we were, they were consolidating things and they had a strategy to put everything into one app. This was back in 2000 and 11 and it didn't happen for many many years after that and they now have done that um and so now i'm not using espn as an example anymore but 
larger platforms are acquiring other platforms and you're seeing tons of different kinds of content all together. Um, that's affecting live sports rights around the world. And I foresee that it will probably impact us in the future. Of course, our deals right now are, are pretty settled um, for the foreseeable future. And so we personally aren't seeing huge changes in, in that space. But um, another big thing that's impacting our business is frankly coming out of COVID and how do you navigate traveling the world and maintaining relationships, trying to see people in person, um, definitely seeing them virtually. But we keep saying post COVID, I know it's still very much a real thing and, and it is in our world as well, impacting how and when we can get to events and partners and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it'll be a really interesting one to pay attention to again, like even just, you know, outside of sports too, right? Your Netflixes and Hulus and Disney exactly. Plus and Paramount Plus. I mean, there's more platforms than you can ever imagine. And then it's like, okay, well, where do you go for what? What's, you know, what's bundled with this and who owns who? And uh, it's, it, it'll be really interesting to see how it progresses because it also progresses faster than we can even keep track of it, I feel like as well. So um, right. All right. Time for rapid fire. Are you ready? Oh, gosh. Yes. No, I'm not ready, but go. <laughs> okay. Best 72 hole score. Oh, goodness. Three under. Three under. Best 18 hole score. Um, okay. It's not that good. I think in a competition, I think it's 74. <laughs> hey, that's still, I, if, if you're in the 70s, <laughs> that's still pretty good. Um, yeah. Favorite club in the bag. Oh, my now discontinued tight lies. <laughs> Adams, if for anyone who has a tight lies, they're going to be like, yeah, that club does everything. <laughs> Adams golf? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a wood. It's a, it's, a, it's a very like, I don't even, I'm going to mess it up. It's an amazing utility wood. It's a three wood, but it literally, any lie, rough, anything, it just makes contact. It's wonderful. <laughs> had these two Adams golf hybrids and it was the same way. Like you could literally yeah. get it out of anywhere. Um, and yeah, they don't make them anymore, unfortunately. No. Um, best state you've been to? Ooh, Colorado. I loved Colorado so much. I think it's stunning. Best place you've lived in? Not a trick question. My hometown, Chicago. There you go. Okay, well, Chicago, building off that favorite team in Chicago. White Sox. <laughs> oh, the South Sider. I'm a South Sider. My, my parents are going to have to listen to this. I grew up thinking I grew up in the, in the South Side because we were White Sox fans and had season tickets, and they, we definitely did not. <laughs> but my dad is a White Sox fan, so we are all White Sox fans, and it's my first love, baseball. So. You mentioned you've been to London, country you haven't been to that you want to go to. Ooh, how about place? <laughs> I'm changing the question. Sure. Uh, I want to go to Patagonia in Chile. I've been to Chile. I've been to Santiago, but I've never made it down there and it's on my list. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Uh, last one for you. Best golf course you've played? Oh. oh, man, that's a hard one. And you can change the question on me if you want. Okay. Of course, I really want to play in case anyone can get me on Pebble Beach. <laughs> oh, come on. You got you to have the connections to do that. You would think. You would think. No, nobody. Uh, 
No, you'd have to be quite special in the sports industry. I, uh, I'm not that special. <laughs> okay, well, if anyone's listening and they live know, right? in San Francisco, <laughs> Stephanie wants to play Pebble Beach. We got, we'll get her out there. Thanks. Steph, really appreciate the, the time, insights, perspectives. Um, best of luck with your travels and your Alaska trip, whenever that may be. And uh, appreciate your time on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Thank you, Jay. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.